Welcome to the Readerly Report. Your hosts are Gail Weiswasser and Nicole Bonilla. We hope you will enjoy our candid book conversations, recommendations, and observations on the reading life. Thanks so much for joining us. All right, so welcome to another edition of the Readerly Report. Today, Gail and I are going to be doing a deep dive into our the books that we read about men. Um, we have mentioned on the show many times that it usually hovers around I don't know, 10% of our reading, which for me, I don't know, can be 16 to 20 books. So as I was going and preparing my list, it, you know, it doesn't look like it's a small number, but in comparison to what we read, it is a small number. And we wanted to talk a little bit about why that is, what we gravitate to, and um, I guess the men in our lives, the, the male authors that we keep returning to, and maybe what draws us to those stories. So in addition to that, we'll do our back, we'll each do our backlist book of the week. And right before we got on, Gail told me that she had a book that she DNF'd, which is always really exciting. So why don't we start there? Uh, Well, on the last show, I mentioned that I had like a whole bunch of library books that came in at the same time. And I was like feeling overwhelmed because I felt like I had to get these library books done. They were all like new releases with short deadlines. I was trying to start one of them. I just was not feeling it. And that was this book called The Falconer. And um, I, I I think that maybe another time I will like it, but it's about a young woman who's growing up in the 90s in New York. It's kind of a coming-of-age story. But just, I don't know, 25 pages in, I wasn't loving the style of it. It was feeling maybe like too intellectual or too literary. I don't know. I can't really explain it, but it wasn't grabbing me. And I felt like there was so much competing, so many other competing priorities that I don't have the luxury to try to power through something that's not grabbing me because that will take a long time and then I won't want to read. So I'm going to take that back to the library. I think it's due today anyway. So it's going back and maybe I'll pick it up again later. Ah, to hear you say that. Now I had that, (laughs) I had an arc of that book that I had started reading and I agree with you. Like when you had mentioned it the other day, it was, I said, okay, let's see if she reads it and we can talk about it a little bit more. But I started reading it and, you know, the writing's fine. It seems like it's going to be, a, like you said, it's a coming of age story about this relationship that she had, she has with a male friend of hers, the main character. And I think they both really bond around playing basketball. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it just... I mean, it was fine, but it was not, like you said, it wasn't something that I was going to be able to curl up with, and it was really pulling me through. But like you also said, it's like maybe it was a time period, but I still just haven't gotten back to that book. So that's... I think you just said something so accurate, which is a book you can curl up with. It was not going to be a book I could curl up with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think I'm definitely better, and I'm glad that you're better. We're both better about, I mean, that's part of the joy of reading, I think, looking forward to Mm -hmm. getting back to your book, having that book you want to curl up with, having that book that someone calls your name, and you look up and you rejoin the world because you were so firmly in this story. Like, those are the experiences that I love, and I'm being, like, a lot pickier in terms of, you know, for some things. Um, if I don't get the sense that it's going to develop into that, that that I'm not going to get those feelings or 
even just, even if I'm frustrated, you know, sometimes it's nice to feel frustrated with characters, to feel that much of an investment. And I just didn't feel like that with that book. It was just sort of like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I think too that there are t- many times when they there are pressures to read a book that you may not be feeling it with. Either you're reading it for book club, or you've accepted a review copy and committed to a date of a review, or it's an author you know, or you're doing a reading, you know, something like that. In this case, I had none of those because this is just a library book that I picked up on a recommendation of someone. I'm not even sure whose recommendation it was. So. I was like, this is this should be an easy choice. I should not feel any guilt over this. I should just take it back. So it's going back. Probably today. <laughs> <laughs> when you're done, you're done. You're just taking it back today. It is going back. It's due and it needs to go back. So that's the plan. Okay. All right. So let's move on to, should we do backlist before we get into our male authors? Um, let's get into our male authors. Let's just go right for it. Okay. So like Nicole said, we feel like we sort of give less attention to male authors for whatever reason. We can discuss and explore those reasons. And we've each come up with, um, I don't, I haven't seen your list. You haven't seen mine. A list of writers, male authors that we have really enjoyed, that we connect with, that maybe we've read one or more of their books. And um, we would recommend. So we just want to highlight them here so that we feel like we're giving a little bit of even balance among the genders. I mean, I feel like it's even, but, you know, it's just reverse. (laughs) So much (laughs) of it in the world is the other way that here. Yeah. Some cosmic realignment here. Yes. Yeah. Um, But let's hear it. Let's hear it for the boys. So... Why do you think that you don't read that as many male readers as you do female readers? And as I was making my list and as I was making note of who wrote what, like what these stories were about, I saw a pattern emerge. So I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are Mm. on this. You saw a pattern emerge among the books you do pick by men? Oh, that's so interesting. I, of course, did not take it one level of abstraction further, and I just made a list. Um... I think for me, it is not conscious. So it's not like I say, oh, I want to read women authors. I think that for me, I tend to read either authors I've read in the past. So if it's an imbalance, it seems to self-perpetuate. But I go for fact patterns. Like I go for stories that I think I'm going to like. And that is the, I would say plot is usually a very big draw for me. And it just may be that women tend to write more regularly about the topics I like, which revolve around relationships. So it's families, it's friendships, it's romantic relationships, it's um, people finding their place in life, people's identities. Those, I guess, tend to be more uh, frequently explored by women writers. And some of the topics that I think men have historically or traditionally or perhaps stereotypically covered are just interest me less. So there may be more action involved. They may be more uh, thriller or tension or politics or espionage. These are just things I don't gravitate towards. So I think for me, it's just a unconscious uh, cleaving towards general plot points that are more favored by women. 
So now as I was making this list, and I think that the relationship thing that you say is interesting because I do think that that is, I'm always interested in the dynamics of relationship and you know, not to say that there are not male authors who do that, but you know, maybe they are doing it through a male character. So as I was making my list, I saw that the men that I have read books by and who I re- continue to read books by tend to either write about either, they tend to have women as their lead characters or have, yeah, they have storylines that feature strong women. As I look at Marlon James, the book that I read of his was The Book of Night Women, which was about a group of slaves, women in Jamaica, and one of the, you know, they start planning a revolt. So that was very female-centered. Amor Tolls wrote The Rules of Civility, which is about a relationship. The gentleman in Moscow had a male character, but I had already read his books and really liked his writing and really liked his approach with relationships, and this book was just too all about this character's relationships with the people that he encounters. Who else was on my list? Ian McEwen, I think whether he has a male protagonist or not, they're usually relationship heavy with the, the you know, the dynamics between relationships and mm-hmm. how they affect whatever situation that's going on. So he was another one on my list. Andrew Sean Greer, I've read a couple of his mm-hmm. books. I didn't like less, but I really liked the story of a marriage. And he's written other books that feature relationships, whether they have a woman as the main as the main character or if they are centered around relationships. So that is one of the patterns that was emerging as I was putting together this list. Just like, okay, so I like I like it. I like female stories. I relate to these stories and the relationships that the women have with the people around them. And it seems like at least half of the books that I had had female characters or were very relationship-driven books. Looking over my list, I think I agree with you entirely on relationship-driven, and some of mine certainly also have women, if not at the core of their books, then playing very prominent roles. Um, Here's another thing, and I don't know what this says about men and women, but I think uh, I also, some of the authors I have on this list, I've got on there because they're funny. And I don't know whether men are funnier than women in their writing, I mean, actually, I think I probably have plenty of female author books that are funny. I just happen to focus on men for this episode. Um, but I do find at least two of the authors I picked, which were Tom Parada and Jonathan Chopper, are both both have a fair amount of humor in their writing. I mean, they've got some more serious books and they tackle serious themes. But those two found their way on my list because I think that they are entertaining and funny. I have an author on here who writes books that are not always in my wheelhouse. I pick, I put Khaled Hosseini on here for the kite runner and thousand, you know, he writes these kind of sweeping books about, well, about, you know, set in foreign countries about complicated family relationships, two incredibly sad books too. I think thousand splendid sons might be one of the most depressing, saddest books I've ever read. And I read a lot of those, but he, his books are beautiful. So I've got him on my list. And then I, of course, also have J. Ryan Straddle. I kind of went through my index of reviews on my blog, and I just sort of 
saw what jumped out at me. It's a long list, so I didn't go through it super carefully, but I just saw who jumped out at me, and I looked through my library and kind of glanced through the shelves. And I wanted to pick ones that either I'd read a few of their books, like I've got four on my Jonathan Chopper list and three on the Tom Parada list, but then ones that I felt like were just particularly memorable for me. Um, one of the first ones I have, and I've only read one book by this author and I want to read more, is Kent Haruf, who wrote Our Souls at Night. I've talked about this on the show recently. I read it earlier this year or maybe at the end of last year, and I, I just love that book. And I know I will like other ones he's read. And he's got a whole trilogy that I've heard nothing but good things about. So I, I'd like to get my hands on that. Um, he wrote, He's kind of a quiet, spare writer, but what I loved about certainly Our Souls at Night was the focus on the relationship between the two characters and so much little subtle detail that conveyed so much about their lives and their relationship. And it's not, it's not, it's not action packed and it's not lots of dialogue and not lots of flashy, like literary flourishes. It's just a beautifully simply told tale. And I, it was very memorable. I saw the movie afterwards because I really wanted to see it play out in live action and I definitely want to pick up the rest of his. So he easily made this list. Now, I don't think I realized that you had seen the movie. So give us the book-to-movie comparison. Yes. Yeah, so the movie has Jane Fonda and... Was it... Wait, did I see the movie? Maybe I didn't see the movie. Was it Robert Redford? It was Robert Redford and Jane Fonda. And now I'm actually wondering, did I see the movie or did I just look up the movie and want to see the movie? Mm. I'm, I'm actually starting to think. Starting to doubt I yourself. didn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm starting to think I didn't see it. I think I saw some uh, previews or I like went on IMDb and just, you know, caught a few scenes. I'm not sure I did see the movie. Okay, so Gail has some homework to do. She has some investigating, and she'll have. Gail also has amnesia. <laughs> right, you'll have to report back to us. <laughs> oh my god! I remember you mentioning yes. that there that you know we were both aware that there was a movie, and the book is really good. And I I think I remember you mentioning you wanted to check it out, but why yeah. don't you just I think... check and see if you have? Okay. <laughs> And then we will, and then I will report back. This is why I never reported back to you on it, because I didn't actually see it. <laughs> oh my God. Just thought you could slip. That's, yeah. Just, yeah. I didn't think you were going to hold me accountable. Mm. Uh, okay. Yeah. So now you did, you, you read the book, right? Yes. Yeah. Have you read any of his other ones? I haven't, but that book was so unexpected and so beautiful like I don't even know how I don't even remember how I came across it but just that story about closeness and the way they reached out to each other the beginnings of that relationship and and just even to start a novel in that way I thought it was so interesting to have someone just reach out to someone for companionship in that way and to build on it I love that story I would be interested in maybe us reading another one of his books for the show do you have um, a book that's part of a trilogy as part of your any of your uh, challenges? Why? Is this part of a trilogy? 
No, but I think he has a trilogy, so we could we could start with one, and that might help you knock off that category. I'll check and see. <laughs> I don't think so. Okay. All right. So I mentioned two. I won't go into Amortals too much because I feel like I've mentioned Gentlemen in Moscow a lot. It's one of these books that's all over the place, and I feel like either it's something that you will gravitate to or you won't. I love his writing. I love the rules of civility. I think I want to read the rules of civility again. I think you would like that one. Have you read that? No, I need to. I have it. I just haven't read it. I mean, you don't need to, but it's good. I think you'd like it. I know. And so I just mentioned Marlon James, The Book of Night Women, which is really good. I want to read his other book, The A Brief History of Seven Killings. It's on my shelf. It's daunting to me because it is really long but he is such a he's such a good writer and now that he has his latest one out that's the sci-fi one that's sort of like it's called um it's like black wolf red leopard or it's something similar oh yeah i might not have that's right i've seen that cover yeah i might not have that title exactly right but it's something similar but it is science fiction which is not something that I don't that I think I will enjoy I mean he's an amazing writer so I would probably enjoy it in spite of myself if I took the time to get into it but I've been hearing from people that you really have to be invested and get through the first 70 pages for the payoff which of course is nothing because I think the book is like 600 pages but Mm -hmm. he just the way he captures emotion and the dynamics between people like I think any of his novels are are worth checking out I, and I mentioned Ian McEwen. So uh, these are all people that I feel like I've talked about fairly frequently on the show and people whose work I come back to. Ian McEwen has a new book coming out in the sp- it, it may be coming out this month or, you know, sometime. I think it did because uh, Ron Charles just released a very, very entertaining video about it. Okay. Do you think he yeah. liked it from that? From the video? I. <laughs> Uh, is a great question. It is, it sounds like a really weird book. It's like a science fiction. It's a great question. I don't know what he thought of it. He, he kind of makes fun of it, but that's sort of the way all of his videos are. I think he saves the books he wants to make fun of for his video reviews. So usually the ones that end up on the list are ones he's kind of, he's probably not crazy about. It is, it's a, it sounds like a weird book. Helen Oyemi, he did one for her book. Oh yeah. The gingerbread one. Yeah. And then he had mentioned when he was on the show a couple of weeks, last week or something, that, or, yeah, last week, he had mentioned the Jin Sincero books, you know, like, You Are a Badass, yeah. and he made fun of those. It was really funny. He made a lot of fun of those, yeah. yeah. And I read yeah. You Are well, a Badass, I think. I think I read it at the end of last year. Did it merit all that? I mean, I think it's just your run-of-the-mill, you-can-do-it affirmations and self-help books that, you know, like... I was having a conversation about a friend with self-help books that we like, and we talked about, like, Mark Manson's book, I think, is one that she was reading. And we were just talking about self-help books. You really like the ones that give you really obvious advice that you're never going to (laughs) follow. For whatever reason, it's, like, affirming, and then you don't have to take action on it because you knew it anyway, in a a sense. So I don't know. Interesting. Interesting. Like, no uh, one's telling yeah, you anything particularly, you know, earth-shattering or changing. Like, I don't know, eat better, go to sleep early, get up, organize your life, whatever, you know, think positively of yourself. 
I mean, you just have to do it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's interesting. But, you know, I feel like Ian McEwen has had a long career and he's been successful and, you know, his, his, his books are made into films. And I feel like he is probably just experimenting and writing whatever the hell he likes at this point. Yeah. I think yeah. Margaret Atwood got like that with a couple of her books because I read... There's this one book that she has that's called like the heart. It's the heart something, the the last heartbeat, or it has heart in the title, and it was so crazy and out there. I remember talking about it on the show because she had like these robotic teddy bears, and people were having sex oh, with yeah, yeah, yeah. objects. So I think that they get to a point where they're just like, you know, whatever. I'm just gonna play around with this. His last novel, Nutshell, like I read it. But it was weird because it was told in utero about this baby whose mother is in in a relationship with, or she's having an affair with his father's brother or something, and they're plotting to kill him. So it's a little bit Hamlet, I guess, yeah. in utero, and he's like trying to thwart their plot as he is a fetus so he's just really just doing his thing at this point yeah but i am curious to like flip through a few pages and see if it's something i'm interested in the reason i didn't put him on my list despite the fact that he wrote one of my all-time favorite books atonement is i do find him a little bit too inconsistent just for me i mean i i don't begrudge him at all the experimentation and i Loves that he keeps things interesting, and that's great. But it just, it just, he just, for that reason alone, he was not on my list of sort of like dependable go-to male authors. I think it just depends on the topic and how he's yeah. approaching the topic. I mean, because if he had told the nutshell story in a more traditional way, like even if the the kid was eight or something and overhearing this and trying to affect change, to have it told from the perspective of of a fetus who's overhearing conversations and. That was weird. But I really liked the Children Act. I really liked On Chesil Beach. Mm-hmm. Sweet Tooth, people have said, is not one of his best, but I think it was the first one of his that I read, and I enjoyed it. So mm-hmm. he's someone that I will check out. And if he's you – know, I want to see what the description is about. I want to read a couple of pages. And if he's not getting too out there, then I'm probably going to read and like his books. Mm-hmm. So what about you? I like the three that you mentioned, too. I didn't read Sweet Tooth, but I like the other three. Because maybe they're just more conventional sort of right. relationshipy focused books. Right. Um, I did also read Saturday. did not love that one. I think Saturday was the was first okay. book of his that I tried to read, and I just could not get into it. Yeah. yeah. Like, I found the opening to be completely inaccessible. The opening where the guy's coming home and he sees that plane starting to land. Is, am I thinking of the right book? I'm not. I don't remember. Okay. Yeah. So long ago. Yeah. Um, Okay. So another author we haven't even mentioned yet who I know you like because we both like this book is Ron Rash. Oh, yes. And yeah, I I have still not read anything else by him other than The Risen, but I loved that book and I know you loved that book. Yes. And it's the um, story of two brothers who have fallen into the roles that they, well, I guess they've lived out the roles that they fell into as kids and about this one fateful summer when a girl came into their lives and kind of came between them. 
And it's not a long book and it's not a complicated book, but it was so beautifully written. Kind of reminds me a little bit of Cantor Roof in that spare style that just, just so poignant and like just makes you like hang on every word. And that was one of those books that I was really surprised to like because I don't usually like spare writing. Like I like mm-hmm. there to be something like a little bit more heft to my writing, but the his writing is both spare but carries so much weight and I feel like you could run his sentences through like a little test in that novel because each one would be so telling, you know, like each one provided mm-hmm. such specific detail that there didn't need to be more to that. And that story was just, I don't know. It was so it was so good and such a heartbreaker. Yeah, I agree. It's very economical writing. Mm-hmm. Every word is there for a reason. Um, so yeah, so he ended up on my list and I'd like to read more. So I put him in the Kent Haruf camp of I've gotten a little taste and mm-hmm. I want to see what else there is. Okay, and I know, so we both mentioned, and we mentioned this on the show when we were talking to Ron, we both loved There, There by Tommy Orange. And I feel like he's someone whose books that I will be on the lookout for because I enjoyed this one so much. Like, I love the Mm -hmm. point of view. I love the characterizations, even though there were a lot of characters to follow. Like, I felt like he did such a good job building up to a moment and just, like, he is dealing with such momentous topics in his work that, you know, to be able to give such an overview but to to be dealing with big issues and, and um, have it have such a human perspective and such a touching perspective, I think that's al- always something that I admire when you can communicate big ideas and big issues and bring them down to a more micro level where you know, we understand it in terms of relationships between humans. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So certainly somebody to keep an eye on. Um, I mentioned Tom Parada. He's another one that's been a little bit all over the map. Uh, he, The three that I noted here are Mrs. Fletcher, the abstinence teacher, and the leftovers, and they're all really different from each other. Did he write Little Children? And am I forgetting that one? Yes. Okay. That's the book that got me into Tom Parada. And I did see the movie version of that one. I can actually <laughs> attest to it. Kate Winslet and who is the guy in that movie? Matthew Broderick, isn't it? The ele- no, an election? that's election. Oh, yeah, that's election. election. Yeah, no, the Little Children is Kate Winslet, and I'm just blanking on who played the guy. He, like, kind of just nails, like, suburban America really well. And I loved Little Children. I thought that was a great book. I think about that book a lot. And I think about the resolution of that book. And it just... What was that book about? about? Yeah, so it's about this couple... Well, it's two couples that are living in suburbia. And it's about this one summer where the wife of one couple and the husband of another couple have an affair. And they have kids the same age and they sort of start hanging out because their kids are getting together. And they're both unhappy in their marriages. And at the end, there's this crossroads. Like, do they do they run away together or do they not? And uh, it, I guess that's kind of a tired storyline. But I just – he had some real freshness to it. And I just like the way he – explores 
the kind of the, their lives and the dissatisfaction of their lives. So that was the book that got me onto Tom Parada. I, I loved the movie election. I never read the book. The movie I thought was fantastic. Um, but then I read The Abstinence Teacher and I read The Leftovers, which is a real departure for him. I think, I, I don't know if you remember, you and I were together at BEA one year and I went up to him and I said, if there's one author that can get me into dystopia, it's you. Because he was sort of like just easing into dystopia. So The Leftovers has been made into a whole series now with Justin Theroux, I guess, directing and starring in it. But it's about this phenomenon where people start disappearing. This one day comes and like one-tenth of the population just mysteriously disappears. And it's the aftermath of that. So that was a departure from him. And I liked it. I don't think I liked it as much as his more traditional stuff. But I, I did like it. And then I picked up Mrs. Fletcher at BEA last year, I think. And I was a little disappointed by it. So he's a bit all over the map for me, but he's always going to write about some scenario that I find interesting and I, I like him a lot. I would probably put Jonathan Tropper in a similar camp to him. Jonathan Tropper also writes about sort of suburban modern life. It's always from the male perspective and the books that I've read are, this is where I leave you, how to talk to a widower, one last thing before I go and the book of Joe. And they're all a little bit similar. They usually deal with some guy in his like late 30s or early 40s whose life is sort of falling apart and whose you know, marriage has fallen apart and they're kind of rebuilding and they don't have confidence. It's, so they're a little similar one to the next, but I just really liked them. And I think This Is Where I Leave You was also made into a movie, which I saw, I think, with... Um, with Jason Bateman and Tina Fey, maybe? It's a really good cast. Jason and, Bateman, I definitely remember being in that. Probably Tina Fey. Yeah, I think they were both in that. And he just also kind of gets that whole, like, East Coast suburb. I feel like they t- these books all take place in Westchester. Like, that's just, that's just their point of view. And I like them, too. So I, Tom Parada and Jonathan Tr- Tropper are sort of two sides of the same coin to me. And I, I, I like them. I haven't read anything by either one in a while other than Mrs. Fletcher. And I'd be curious to see what they have coming out, but they made my list. Another author on my list is Ruman Alam. He wrote, he wrote, he wrote that kind of mother, which we both read and we discussed on the podcast. He also wrote this book called rich and pretty, which was his debut. Now, I really like that kind of mother. I didn't love Rich and Pretty. He just writes, he has like, he usually writes from the perspective of women. He's written two books about women, female characters who live in cities who are preoccupied with different things. Rich and Pretty is is sort of about the breakup of a friendship as, you know, both participants realize that maybe they aren't the same people or just what happens as you evolve and, and the friendship's that you had when you were younger don't fit you. And then, of course, this that kind of mother is more about a suburban woman in D.C. who is raising the child of her, of her dead nanny. I always, he really has really interesting things to say to me in his books, and I, I've, I think that he's grown over the books that he's written, so he, I would be on the lookout for what it is that he does next. He also, you know, I see like think pieces and and different articles that he's written around the web. And so I like his ideas and thinking. So I'm looking forward to his next book. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I have to go back really fast to This Is Where I Leave You because I looked up while you were talking the cast of that movie. Okay. Listen to the cast of this movie. Jason Bateman, Tina Fey, Jane Fonda, Adam Driver, Rose Byrne, who like can do no wrong after um, Juliet Naked, <laughs> Catherine Hahn, Connie Britton, Dax Shepard. I mean, what a cast, right? Yep. Uh, yeah. I don't think that the movie, I don't think the success of the movie necessarily matches the talent of the cast. How did the book match up? I think the book was pretty close to the movie. I mean, I think there's a lot of humor in this movie, just as there was in the book. I mean, it's sort of a sad premise, like this, this is all these siblings and their father dies and they have to all come home and sit Shiva for a week stuck in their childhood home. So, of course, like all the old tensions erupt and everything happens. Um, it's, yeah, it's funny. It's funny. I just, I mean, it's no Juliet naked, but it's funny. Okay, so I know that we have limited time recording today, so I'm going to cut us a little short as we take a deep dive into the male authors that we love. I'm sure that we will continue to mention them over the course of the podcast. So Gail and I, I just wanted to make an announcement that we're just making some, we're doing some tinkering in terms of of where the podcast is going to rest. So I urge everyone to, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast while we're like doing some transitional things with how we get it out to people, to make sure that you're subscribed either to the show notes or to the podcast itself so that as we make these changes, we can let you know where's the best place to reach us and how. So with that, let's just quickly get into our backlist books before we wrap up the show. Like what's your backlist book of the okay. week? My backlist book is called Couple Mechanics by Nellie Allard. Uh, I think this is a French book, so it was translated. And it is, this came out in 2016, January 2016. And it is a book dealing with the aftermath of an affair. So you have a couple, Juliet and Olivier. They live in Paris. They've got two children. And he has had an affair. And so it kind of, the next, the book follows the following couple months as she tries to deal with his affair and he tries to break things off with this woman that he had been having the affair with. And it's very meticulous. Like it's got text messages and voicemail messages and you sort of feel like you're living through this entire experience with them. It's a little bit almost claustrophobic because it goes into so much detail, but it, it like just breaks it down and you, you know, you like, you feel like you can't look away. You, feel very invested and you want to know exactly what's going to happen. So I thought it was a smart and insightful book. It has, like I, when I reviewed it, like I said, it's kind of like a train wreck that you have a first class ticket for because you're just right there along with both of them as they're trying to ride out what happened. Ooh, I think I've, I've wanted to read that book for a while and you just yeah, reminded like me it. of it. That was on my list yes. way back when it came out. All, yeah. All right. So my backlist book of the week is by Scott Spencer. It's called Man in the Woods. Um, I don't remember when it came out. I feel like it must have been like four or five years ago at least. He wrote a book about this couple. It's the main character's Paul, and he's sort of been living this 
rootless kind of existence when he meets a woman who changes his life. And I believe she writes best-selling books of an inspirational, like, faith, faith-based nature. And so he moves in with her. He has a relationship with her and her daughter. And he finds work as a carpenter. And he's sort of getting his life back together when he encounters a man in the park. And this completely changes his life. So the only thing that I can tell you is a book that needs to be experienced. It's told in two parts, like, you know, before his life before he meets the man in the park and his life after and after like after their meeting and how this affects his life. It is super suspenseful. Like I was really drawn into these characters, really drawn into the characters, really rooting for it. And And it's a book that explores faith, like, like because of the incident that happens, like I'm trying so hard not to spoil anything, because of what mm-hmm. happens, it's just like an exploration of how it affects both of them and how faith plays a role in that. And I don't read a lot of books that have a religious component, but um, this one was really good. It's not like it's a religious book, but faith played an aspect, and it was really interesting. The changes that their relationship took and how they both dealt with this event. He's such a good writer. I read one of his books a long time ago before I even started blogging called A Ship Made of Paper. Did you ever read that one? Oh, no, I didn't. Was it good? Yeah. I mean, it's been a long time since I read it. It came out in 2003 and I started blogging in 2006. So I never even wrote a review of this book. But uh, it's also like a a book about a marriage and extramarital affairs. So he it's about this main character and he's living with this woman, but he sort of falls in love with another woman and he's white. She's African-American and it's all about their relationship. And then issues of race come into play. And and that's pretty much all I remember about it. It's been so long, but I just remember I liked it a lot. Yeah. He's a really good writer. He wrote under um, a pen name, which was another thing Mm -hmm. that I was looking up and I was like, Oh, we need to do a show on authors who have pen names. Cause I think we, I think you read more than you think that you have. But he had written this book Hmm. called Breed, and he wrote it under the name Chase Novak. So that one was like trying to – it was more of a genre leaning towards horror book that he – it was sort of like very literary but also like a genre mix-up, which I really liked the writing. Um, I thought he did well as a writer, but there is – a premise there that I just don't like in books. It's not it's not like a, a bad thing or anything, but it's almost like so if I told you I just don't like caterpillars and there's caterpillars in that book, that's what it was like. So there was just an element mm-hmm. I didn't like, but it was very well written. So that's our show. That's our show. All right. Well, the usual, please follow us. Like Nicole said, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. Please share the word about the podcast with your friends who are readers leave us a review, leave us a rating. We'd love to get that. So thanks for tuning in to our men episode. Next week we'll return to 99% women. (laughs) And uh, until then, happy reading. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Readerly Report. You can find all of our shows on iTunes or at thereaderlyreport.com. Please join our Facebook group, Readerly Report Readers, where you can talk to other listeners about their reading life. You can also find Nicole at NicoleBonia.com and me, Gail, at EverydayIWriteTheBookBlog.com. Finally, we'd love it if you left us a review on iTunes and told your book-loving friends about us. Thanks.
Thanks. <laughs>